You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe from smittenkitchen.com for mango slaw with cashews and mint. Now, Deb had these as summer recipes, and it's certainly not the summer right now, but they sound delicious, and I'm trying to eat more healthy, more veggies and fruit, so we're going to go with some salads today. (laughs) The inspiration for the slaw is a mango salad I order way too often from a local Thai place in hopes to offset the inevitable damage from the pad Thai that I order with it. It has strips of mango, slivers of red pepper, red onion, and mint, large toasted cashews, and a spicy dressing with a lot of lime in it. It's always a surprise. Sometimes the mango is underripe and sour, which I understand to be more traditional, and sometimes it's sweet and almost overripe. The best part is that the salad tastes good no matter how the mango arrived that day. Of course, being me, I had to slaw it, because that's what I do, you know? Broccoli, green onion, better than old school, and dead simple, tartar sauce slaw, pickled slaw, and three more where that came from. I mean, salads are great, but crunchy slaws that you pile on a burger or alongside anything grilled are the best heat wave antidote, and this is my favorite one in a long time. It manages to be both sweet, my mangoes were very ripe, and sour, packing a little heat in the background, And it was incredibly refreshing change from the creamy dressing hegemony, especially when it's 100 degrees outside. Oh man, I got all the way to paragraph three before bringing up the thing that I don't like to discuss, the weather. Other things I don't like to do, complain about the weather, have conversations that are only about how awful the air outside is, but there's been like this heat wave thing and it has been brutal. It's totally frizzing the baby's hair, too. He does not appreciate it one bit. Anyway, a crunchy, cold, sweet, tangy, spicy slaw is made for times like this, when you're trying to cool off with something other than ice cream. What? I know, I'm talking crazy, but it must be the heat getting to me. Here's the recipe for mango slaw with cashews and mint. You're going to need two mangoes, peeled, pitted, and julienne, one to one and a half quarter, or excuse me, one to one and a quarter pounds of Napa cabbage, halved and sliced very thinly, one red pepper, julienne, one half of a red onion, thinly sliced, six tablespoons of fresh lime juice from about two limes, one quarter cup of rice vinegar, two tablespoons of oil of your choice, one half teaspoon salt, one quarter teaspoon red pepper flakes or to taste, or omit this and whisk in a chili paste to taste, one quarter cup of thinly sliced fresh mint leaves, and one quarter cup of toasted cashews coarsely chopped. Toss the mangoes, cabbage, pepper, and onion in a large bowl. Whisk the lime juice, vinegar, oil, salt, and red pepper in a smaller bowl and pour over the slaw. You can either serve this immediately or leave the flavors to muddle for an hour in the fridge. Before serving, toss with mint leaves and sprinkle with cashews. So about your mango, this salad will work with almost any variety or ripeness of mango, whether sour or sweet. 
Use the one you can get or the one that you enjoy the most. In general, a firmish, not overly ripe mango, unlike the very ripe sweet one that I used, holds up best, but all will be delicious in this salad. Next, we've got a recipe for chickpea ban bagnat. When I was in high school, we were finally allowed to go off grounds for lunch. We went often went to a local deli where my friends would get various sandwiches with turkey, salami, ham, or all of the above, plus lettuce, tomato, onions, vinegar, and oil. And I, a vegetarian in a place baffled by this, would get the same but with cheese instead. I have thought about this sandwich and what it did well. Salt, pepper, vinegar, oil, crunch, and what it did poorly. A stack of tasteless sliced deli cheese as filler? For way too long in the years and decades since, because I still love a sandwich full of vegetables, but find most vegetable sandwiches very disappointing, either heavy with cheese, and I love cheese, but not like an inch of it, or overcooked, under-seasoned vegetables. Why not avocado and crispy kale? Why not hummus, marinated cucumbers, and carrots? Why not make it for yourself, Deb? Which brings us, as ever, back here today. The pan bagnat, and apologies if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, is a sandwich that is a specialty of Nice, France. It's probably bagnat. <laughs> the sandwich is composed of pain de campagne, a round whole wheat bread, and the filling is modeled after classic salad nichois. Here is where I'm supposed to tell you what's in a classic nichois, but I cannot because I fell in a deep Google rabbit hole and came out hours later still unsure because it turns out there's a lot of argument. Tuna? Not a given. Just anchovies were in the original, apparently. Potatoes? Not traditional. Green beans? Truly only sometimes. Cucumber? Apparently unacceptable. Soon comments will appear below from people who have had authentic nichois salads with all of these things and telling me I really know nothing, and it's true. I only know that it's a beautiful day outside, and I want to focus on getting us out there and the picnic sandwich that we'll take with us. Here, I play off the idea of a nichois salad filling, but with vegetarian swaps because I love a hearty sandwich full of vegetables now as much as I did in my teens. For anchovies, I use capers. For tuna, I use fork-crushed, well-seasoned chickpeas, similar to what we used in my smashed chickpea salad. I keep the hard-boiled eggs, but you can skip them to make it vegan. I could not get pan de campagna, so I used a baguette, but a ciabatta, which is flatter, would have been even better. I know capers, olives, and raw red onion are divisive, and that's okay. I want you to make the sandwich exactly the way that you'd love it the most. Do you have basil leaves? Add them if you love them. What's essential, however, is that every layer is well-seasoned and that you're not ungenerous with the olive oil. Bagnat literally means wet, referring to soaked bread, catching all the deliciousness running off the ingredients. I can't wait to see your spins on this, and I hope you get to go beautiful places together this holiday weekend. Here's the recipe. Chickpea pan bagna. Servings, two to four. Time, 15 minutes, and source, Smitten Kitchen. 
This is my go-to method for hard-boiled eggs. All ingredients should be adjusted to your preferences. Instead of cucumber, you might use red pepper, thinly sliced fennel, artichoke hearts, or another vegetable for crunch. Instead of capers or olives, you might chop some cornichons or other pickles. If you'd like, toss the sliced onion with two tablespoons of vinegar, a pinch of sugar and salt, and let them marinate gently pickle for about 10 to 20 minutes or longer if you have the time before putting them on the sandwich. Try to hit most of the layers with some salt and pepper. You'll be glad you did when you bite into the perfectly seasoned sandwich that your picnic deserves. So for the chickpeas, you want one 15-ounce can of chickpeas, drained and rinsed, two tablespoons of olive oil, zest and juice of half a lemon, one tablespoon of chopped flat leaf parsley, one half a teaspoon of kosher salt, pepper flakes to taste, freshly ground black pepper. For the assembly, get two 8-inch ciabatta rolls, baguettes, or one round pan de champagne, olive oil, one half small red or white onion, very thinly sliced, red wine vinegar, two hard-boiled eggs, peeled and thinly sliced, this is optional, kosher salt and freshly ground black pepper, one to two tablespoons of capers, drained and chopped if they're large, one quarter cup of thinly sliced black olives, nichois or oil-cured, pitted or unpitted, one small cucumber thinly sliced, one to two plum tomatoes thinly sliced, and a few basil leaves. This is optional. Very lightly smash the chickpea mixture with the back of a fork or a potato masher. You're not looking for a hummus-like puree, but something closer to a coarse chop with a few smaller bits to hold it together. Add olive oil, lemon zest, juice, and parsley and mix. Season well with salt, pepper, and pepper flakes. Taste and make sure it tastes as good as it should be. Split your rolls or breads in half and drizzle both sides generously with olive oil. Spoon the smashed chickpeas on the bottom half first and then the onion and a little drizzle of vinegar. Add eggs if using and season this layer with salt and pepper. Add the capers, olives, and cucumber. Add another gentle drizzle of olive oil and smaller dribble of vinegar if you wish. Finish with the tomatoes and more salt and pepper on top, then basil if you're using it. Close the sandwiches and wrap them in foil. Set a few of your heaviest pans or books on top for 10 minutes. This encourages the ingredients to mingle together and flattens the sandwich enough to ensure that you do not need to unhinge your jaw like a snake to take a bite. Eat right away or keep the sandwiches wrapped in the fridge, a cooler, or a picnic basket until needed. I hope it's soon. Ooh, another time I'm going to read the recipe for zucchini grilled cheese. That sounds good. I bet you just add some zucchini in there. <laughs> I like it. Next recipe, this one from Eating Well. This is called One Pot Garlicky Shrimp and Broccoli. Shrimp cooks quickly in this easy one-pot recipe, making it perfect for busy weeknights. Serve over whole grains or rice. The ingredients for this are three tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, divided, six medium cloves of garlic, sliced and divided, four cups of small broccoli florets, one half cup of diced red bell pepper, one half teaspoon salt divided, 
one quarter teaspoon, excuse me, one half also teaspoon of ground pepper divided, one pound of peeled and deveined raw shrimp, that's about 21 to 30, and two teaspoons of lemon juice plus more to taste. First, you're going to heat two tablespoons of oil in a large saucepan over medium heat. Add half the garlic and cook until beginning to brown about one minute. Add broccoli, bell pepper, and one quarter teaspoon each of salt and pepper. Cover and cook, stirring once or twice and adding one tablespoon of water if the pot's too dry until the vegetables are tender, about three to five minutes. Transfer to a bowl and keep warm. Next step, you're gonna increase the heat to medium high and add the remaining one tablespoon oil to the pot. Add the remaining garlic and cook until beginning to brown about one minute. Then add the shrimp and the remaining one quarter teaspoon each of salt and pepper. Cook, stirring until the shrimp are just cooked through about three to five minutes. And return the broccoli mixture to the pot along with the lemon juice and stir to combine. That sounds delicious. Next, back to Smitten Kitchen, a watermelon cucumber salad. Yet again, another salad. We've decided to spend as much time as humanly possible at the beach this summer, which has led to my other new favorite habit, grabbing a few cookbooks I've been meaning to go through and reading them en route. In the fleeting moments when the kids have limited their bickering in the back seat and the traffic isn't too terrible, when I've been away from my laptop in the kitchen for enough hours that I'm ready to absorb new inspiration, I find myself more open-minded and curious to try new recipes than I am, understandably, in the thick of deadlines and hangry o'clock, approximately 6.15 p.m. when dinner is nowhere near done. Two weekends ago, the cookbook was Saladish. It's a cookbook from Eileen Rosen, who is the chef and co-owner of R&D Foods in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, and previously did a 15-year stint as a savory chef at City Bakery creating a salad bar with a cult following. This book is a natural progression. Quote, all of the food I really like to eat and make is saladish, she says in the intro, something I immediately related to. To me, salads are meals, and meals can be salads, and only a fraction of them really need leafy greens. Layers of grains or roasted or raw shaved vegetables, plus something pickled or punchy and something crunchy and herby and a good vinaigrette? I ate lunch 15 minutes ago, and I literally made myself hungry again typing that. I struggled a little as the book continued because I kept running into ingredients I didn't keep around. Papadum, green garlic, macroot lime leaves, Chinese preserved cabbage, pea greens, and honestly, this is barely the tip of the iceberg. There wasn't a recipe that didn't have something that required an extra grocery run. Easy for me to get in New York City, but still, I'm lazy and... Even when I overcome it, I know you guys would appreciate me finding alternatives. But wait, come back. You see, the sun was shining in the windows, little puffs of popcorn clouds dotted a blazingly blue sky, the shore towns were approaching, and I decided to stop being such a curmudgeon and look beyond those sticking points, which in many places are merely accents or extras. And here at the base of each recipe, I found a dozen things I couldn't wait to make. There's so much innovation and inspiration in this book. It would be a shame to miss it over a few shopping hurdles, especially if you're looking to shake up your salad game. Salads are inherently flexible. Tinkering is encouraged. If you can't get or don't want to track anything you see here down, make the parts that call to you. 
This is what I did, and it wasn't three days before I'd made the roasted and pickled cauliflower salad, fell in love with the charred summer squash salad. When you see it, you'll understand. Plotted a dinner with the Vietnamese-style tofu salad at the center very soon, and another with a grainy potato cucumber salad, and told two people about the I Heart Fennel salad, an unapologetic fronds-to-bulb love letter to the unpopular, but not with me, vegetable. The watermelon salad, an updated take on classic watermelon and feta, is as promised, nothing like the book's version, which includes chrysanthemum leaves and shiso. I was so enamored with the toasted pepitas, matchsticks of ricotta salata, which is softer and a little mellower than feta, and triangles of watermelon. She includes a cutting guide for this and many other vegetables. I have utter confidence in my ability to cut up fruits and vegetables and still learned a few tricks. Fancy leaves? Nah, I use thinly sliced cucumber. It holds up better in a salad anyway. Olive oil, sea salt, and many grinds of black pepper finish it, and the result is so simple, but so refreshing, an instant new classic for us I didn't know I was looking for, which, after all, is the point of a great cookbook, right? So here's the recipe, watermelon cucumber salad. It serves four, takes 15 minutes, and the source is adapted generously from Saladish. Here's a couple of notes. All of the amounts listed here are what I used, but consider them loosely and adjust to taste. I don't think anyone is buying watermelon by the ounce, but rather grabbing what their store or market has. On a flavor note, I love this ingredient combination. Watermelon and cucumber and salty crunchy accents. So much, if you're feeling creative, here are a few more directions to go with it. Number one, add some fresh slivered mint leaves and or razor thin slivers of red onion. Number two, add the chili lime flavors that we use in this melon salad and there's a link at smittenkitchen.com. Or three, I am eager to make this with an Indian chaat flavor vibe. If you can find chaat masala spice packets, I promise it will be absolutely glorious sprinkled over this salad at the end. About So here's what you're going to need. One quarter of a large seedless watermelon or one small mini watermelon. Two small Persian-style seedless cucumbers, thinly sliced. Eight ounces of ricotta salata, cut into matchsticks. One quarter cup of toasted salted pepitas, which are held pumpkin seeds. Olive oil for drizzling, sea salt, and freshly ground black pepper. For a small watermelon, have it and then place each half cut side down and cut each half into eight pie-like slices. Remove the rinds from each and cut, into, cut each wedge into a half-inch thick triangles. For a larger watermelon, you can cut it into smaller wedges, remove the rinds, and cut into one-half-inch thick triangles. On a platter, you're going to scatter a thick layer of the watermelon triangles, followed by a thinner scattering of cucumbers, ricotta salada matchsticks, and pepitas. Drizzle lightly with olive oil and season with salt and pepper. Repeat this rustic layering and seasoning until your ingredients are used up, finishing with an extra generous drizzle of olive oil, and eat at once. We're going to go next for a apple cider sangria recipe. This also from Smitten Kitchen. For about five minutes, before we remembered that we have an infant, a six-year-old, two full-time jobs, a not-very-big apartment, an international business trip this month, 
sadly not mine, are now doubting that we actually made of whatever is required to pull this off, we thought we might have a Friendsgiving dinner party this year. I love Thanksgiving and I want more of it in my life. Ditto to friends and also dinner parties. So everything about this was going to be awesome. I didn't have to plan the menu to my perfect Thanksgiving dinner because I wrote it in my head probably five years ago. And from what I hear, Alton Brown's turkey recipe is the only one that you'll ever need. Or should I dry brine? Or maybe this lacquered thing? Or maybe a mashup of all of them? Or maybe just import a smoked one from Texas and be the most chilled out host in the history of Thanksgiving ever? Am I right? Right. Well, I had everything else planned out. And there's a whole list of ingredients. But it ends with an awesome cocktail. And this is where the fun began. I decided that a new tradition required a new special cocktail that would forever be tied to a time and place. In general, I'm a classicist about sangria. Like most of us, I've endured all sorts of disturbing ingredients masquerading as sangria. Sprite, frozen lemonade, coconut rum, basil, a ton of sugar. Why? Which are all the ingredients I've pulled from just for the first few Google results for sangria. And try not to mess with what's always worked. But it turned out I didn't have to upend tradition too obnoxiously to make the apple cider sangria of my dreams. For the red wine, I used a dry white. For the brandy, I used an apple brandy or calvados. Instead of a splash of juice, I used apple cider, which I'd reduced so it would be more concentrated and flavorful. I kept the less traditional triple sec in place because I liked the hint of orange, but you can skip it if you're less of a sangria blasphemist. And for the fruit, we used a mix of apples, because like everyone else, we overdid it at the apple farms in October. The result was even better than I'd hoped, an apple in an adult way, subtle and not terribly sweet. As our kids ran up and down the hallways in a sugar-demonic haze, trick-or-treating through a friend's building last weekend, we grown-ups got to sip from glasses of grown-up candy while saving the actual candy thieving for after they fall asleep, as is our parental privilege, of course. Here's the recipe, apple cider sangria. Psst! Here's the reason I rather love having a big picture or two of single, seasonally perfect, agreeable-to-most cocktail at dinner parties. It saves you a lot of work. Sure, you might still grab a six-pack of beer or a bottle or two of wine or bubbly, But for the most part, most people will drink what you've mixed, and you won't spend any time fussing about with tonics and gins and juice and bourbon and vodka. A good cocktail is efficient. So this makes one pitcher, about one quart, of sangria, definitely double if you have a crowd. You'll need one cup of apple cider, the fresh kind, not the fizzy alcoholic kind, one bottle of dry white wine, one quarter cup of Calvados or another apple brandy, one quarter cup of triple sec or another orange liqueur, mixed colors of apples diced and tossed with lemon juice to prevent browning, seltzer, sparkling water, or sparkling apple cider to finish. Place the apple cider in a small saucepan and bring to a boil over high heat. Reduce about three quarters of the way until you have approximately one quarter of a cup of the apple cider left. This will take about 10 to 15 minutes. Pour into a small bowl, set over a bowl of ice water, and stir, and it will cool very quickly this way. Then you're going to pour the reduced cooled cider into a pitcher. Add wine, 
apple brandy and triple sec. Add fruit and let sit in the fridge until, until needed. You're going to add some fizz right before serving. A slotted spoon will help guests hold back the fruit while pouring their glasses and spoon some on top if desired. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.